You are listening to the Jesus Dietrich and Me podcast, episode number 37, talking about He is risen and what it means to be risen with Christ. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We are back with you for another episode we missed last week. And if you are listening as a pastor or a faithful church attender or uh, someone who is heavily involved in church work, you understand why we took last week off. Uh, pastor Hill and I were both at a at various other churches, other congregations last week uh, doing services. Let's see, I, was, I went to a church Thursday. We were both at the same church on Friday, and then we were both different places on Sunday morning and then Sunday afternoon here. Uh, it was just, it was just a lot last week. And I was reminded of, uh, you remember that picture of Mel Gibson and talking to, oh yeah, uh, talking to um, Jim Caviezel <laughs> in full makeup. Yeah, when he's yeah when he's when he's all bloody and well yeah he's all made up as the this is probably right as he's being crucified and so Mel Gibson's wearing his he's wearing his shirt you know his, his nice nice clean shirt and he's talking to Jim Caviezel who's all bloodied up with his crown of thorns and. Fresh and from they're, the flogging. Yeah, and they're looking at him, and, and the caption is like, pastors telling Jesus how hard their week was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this is, yeah, I feel you guys. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's kind of how, that's kind of how I feel talking right now. Um, yeah. so but remember Good Friday and bottles of water? You can oh, yeah. Yeah, we're at uh, at a one of the congregations that, that we've been filling in for down here in Detroit at St. Stephen. I don't know if we've mentioned that on here before, but uh yeah, we had that the really long passion narrative that we were talking about, and we had, uh, you know, and I, I was preaching and you were reading, and both of us were like, "Well, we'd really like some water before the service starts, so this so that we can keep our mouth wet and and not get cotton mouth and things like that." And I remember after the service, you were like, "And what Jesus would give." for a glass of water yeah. and we can't even get through our passion reading he of, said i thirst and yeah and he was given sour sour wine or gall yeah. and uh and we can't even get through a reading we or couldn't a, go one little 20 minutes without <laughs> right right water. or a sermon with yeah um just the, the reminder of that's that's what that's what jesus did for us so we are ready to be to dive back into the podcast we'll be getting a couple episodes a couple episodes more maybe with uh with this book of the collected uh, sermons of Bonhoeffer. And then I think we're going to transition to, there was an article, Pastor Jim, that you sent me about, uh, it was a, that actually was not written by Bonhoeffer, um, but by somebody that was writing about Bonhoeffer and kind of the, the response to um, various things within the church and um, just kind of the same kind of things that I think that we're dealing with today. So we're going to probably dive into that next week, uh, but we did want to get dive into a sermon that had some Easter flavor to it, uh, and not chocolate, uh, not ham, not roasted potatoes or whatever it was that you ate. But um, the sermon that we're that we're going to be talking about today, it's not an, it's not an Easter sermon, but it's entitled "Risen with Christ," and it was a sermon that was given on the third Sunday after Trinity by Dietrich on uh, on June twelfth of nineteen thirty two uh, in Berlin. And there would have been a lot of his students that were listening to this sermon. And actually, this is the first of two parts. Um, but he talks about in the sermon, what, is it, what does it mean to be risen with Christ? So historical context, it's 1932. Germany has a brand new chancellor. For what it's worth, his name was von Papen. And um, 
He'd been in power for 11 days. And one of the things he did in his very short reign, because in six months Hitler will be chancellor, um, and then roughly six more months Hitler will be dictator, but he decided to go old school and start their parliament sessions, their chancellery sessions, uh, by invoking the name of God, which tells us uh, they weren't invoking the name of God. Right. Yeah, they would say, in the, uh, in the name of God, amen. Just that's just how they started every session. It's kind of like, well, when you gave the invocation, right, at the, was it the Senate meeting a couple of years ago at the Capitol? Um, oh, gosh, that was more like how many years How ago. many years ago was that yeah, that we, we got to go there? We were asked to do that from by one of the one of the sen- the state Senator, rep- or the state yeah. senators from from here. And the mistaken man who thought I was a Detroit pastor, therefore I'm a Democrat. <laughs> right, right. Um, I left him in ignorance. But it was kind of the it was kind of the same. It probably sounds like the same kind of deal, right? I mean they they want to they you got to give the opening prayer, kind of yeah. the opening devotion, but so do to not speak. Use the following words. Right, <laughs> right. And that's kind of the kind of the same thing I think that's happening here. It's in the name of God, and it just kind of gets thrown around loosely. I think here and. I didn't follow the letter of the law, as you might imagine. Yeah, yeah I did the same thing, I think, four times, maybe five, at the, um, the Detroit City Council. Same instructions. You mm-hmm. know, don't say any offensive, like, you know, Jesus, cross. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Christian, resurrect. Don't say those words. And right. Of course, I did just that. And nobody said uh, anything Civil disobedience. Yeah, well, once the microphone's on. I know. Uh, yeah, they can't stop you when you say that. Except Dietrich Bonhoeffer discovered, yes, they can. You know. He spoke against Hitler. Yeah, when he was on the radio and they pulled him off mid-segment. Yeah, they didn't actually pull him off. They well, shut but they him shut down. him down. Yeah. yeah. So this was a new thing. He was trying, the chancellor was trying to uh, reach back into German uh, tradition, it says. and uh, Oops. Um, Dietrich is, it's not substitute pastor, but he's doing a pulpit. Oh, pulpit supply. Right. Well, it sounds like his his uh, pa- pastor friend was there with him, but it's not his church, and in fact, it's a very prestigious church. Um, the Kaiser Memor- Wilhelm Memorial Church yeah. tells you that, um, and so that was the context. Um, so, the controversy in the the uh, sermon is: what do you as the uh, typical Christian that was in quotes say to somebody who walks up to you and says uh, I've been raised with Christ or we've been raised with Christ mm-hmm. or even worse are you raised are with you Christ? raised with Christ so that made me think we were talking about it before the air are there things that fellow Christians uh, not necessarily Lutherans but any fellow Christian can come up to you and say um, which causes you to immediately put up barriers put your shields up <laughs> yeah shields up and one of them was are you saved are you saved yes or, or when or when yeah. were you saved yeah and then they always tell you you know october 12th 19 yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we talked we talked about that we touched on that a little bit last night when one of our folks one of our guys who we hadn't seen in a while and he shows up to bible study and ron did a really good job i think facilitating that conversation and and he was talking about Galatians because he's diving into Galatians with our with our men. And this guy says he gives this big long he gives this big long speech. I understand about Paul the apostle. I understand that he went to 
you, that you know none of us would be Christians if Paul hadn't have gone to the Gentiles. I understand this. I understand that. It was like a three minute question. Yeah, and then he go, and then he says, but this, this, and this, and he says, I just. He said, I want to answer. He, was, he said, I want to ask you simply. And then he made it the most unsimple lead up to this question. And the, the question was, what does it mean to be saved? Yeah. And then that, cause that was when we were, that's when you and I started talking about, you know, there's, well, it means different, it means different things, right? It's, yep. there's different, there's different facets, I think, to what it means to be saved. It's what are you being saved from? You know what are who who is doing the saving? Um, are you are you being saved right now? Are you being saved when on the last on the last day? Right, like you've been given that life ring for when the water comes, but the water's not here yet. So you're just standing with <laughs> life the life ring around yeah. your around your waist. He wasn't looking for an answer. No, I don't think he was either. But that's yeah. When you ask that's if you ask that question, and I think some especially with Lutherans or. Uh, there's a the the meme that's on Facebook where it's the uh, people the evangelists that are going to the to, from door to door asking people if they found Jesus. Okay. Have you found Jesus? And then there's one where the the, the little cartoon guy is like, "Well, no, I'm a Lutheran. I've never lost him." <laughs> so an, an, another question that you know raises alarms amongst Lutherans, particularly, uh, have you been born of the Holy Spirit? Have uh, you been yes. baptized in the Holy Spirit? That would make me backpedal because. Uh, there's a long discussion required for that, and normally nobody wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. Or which church are you baptized into? Yeah, yeah. So. you hear that too. Are you born? Are you baptized into the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Lutheran Church? And for us Lutherans, if you hear that somebody's been baptized by a Catholic congregation or by a Catholic priest or by a Baptist pastor, we go, great. <laughs> Even baptized, Trinitarian, yeah. great, wonderful. But otherwise, other Christians would go, oh, you need to be baptized again. Oh, well, that was a favorite part of my his question yesterday. <sighs> I was uh, trying to get close to this girl, and she went to the Bible oh, study, yeah. <laughs> so I went to the Bible study, and it was obviously a Baptist kind of church. And she went to get baptized, so I got baptized, but I didn't believe anything that that I said yes to. And Missionary baptism. Yeah, I was I had a single-minded devotion to catching this right. girl. I said, "Am I really baptized?" Wow. No. Yeah, I don't want to answer yeah. that. Well, I, well, I, I, yes. Yeah, my answer would would have been yeah, we wouldn't have listened. My answer is yes. Um, it just took a while for you to catch up to what God was yeah, doing. Right. So, exactly. Um, and then my favorite, the one that really, you know, I really almost want to back out of the room when somebody says this is. When they declare, mm. I have not sinned in, you pick the number of years. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah, that's great. 15 years. 15 you haven't years. sinned. And they're saying that to me because they think I am proud of them. A rank sinner. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's what Lutherans are. You guys condone sin. Oh, yeah. 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 Sure sure? yeah, it was just, yeah. Well, you're simultaneously a sinner so and saint and sinner. can't buy that. Right, that kind of. You're one. Theology. Well, it's that one thing. You're either you're one or the other. You're either a saint or you're, or you're justified, or you. Or I mean, you're either a saint or you're a sinner. You're either justified or you're not. And I think typically when people ask that question or when people say that, oh, I haven't sinned in this, this, and this. I I think the oh, I do think that there are certainly people that that certainly think that they haven't been Saint Paul sinners, right? But I also right because Paul was said by every rule of the law, right? I've kept. 
this, this, and this. Right, legalistic righteousness, right? And as a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the heart behind a question like that with some people, especially if they've been taught that, it's, uh, you know, yes, you are still a sinner, but when you, when the Holy Spirit converted you, your sins were covered. So in a, it's not that you're not a sinner, but your sins are not, have not, maybe a better way to say that is that your sins have not been counted against you for yeah. 15 years. So every, every once in a while I like to quote anonymous uh, Detroit preachers. Um, boy, this must have been 15 years ago. He said on the radio, every time you sin, every time you sin, the Holy Spirit departs from you. Huh. I, my immediate image was, wow, the Holy Spirit's in a revolving door with me. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say the Holy Spirit just left me because I just had some very na- not good thing, not good thoughts about that pastor that just said that. Yeah, and so, yeah. But he comes back, but then he leaves, and then he comes he leaves, back. right. <sighs> so... Was he like a hotel guest? Yeah. He never gets in. Yeah, right. The, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy uh-huh. Spirit never gets past the revolving <laughs> door. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, the theology behind that is just um, works righteousness in both cases. Um, But that's not actually what he's talking about here. He's actually talking about the ordinary Lutheran uh, reacting to somebody who declares a Bible truth, a Bible truth as opposed to the revolving door, Mm -hmm. a Bible truth like if you've been raised with Christ or um, another one, says later I think I've been crucified with Christ mm-hmm. um, that is very off-putting to most Christians Lutheran Christians um, because it sounds so fanatical um, say fanatical or fanatical <laughs> fanatical fanatical like fanatical, a, fan. a fanatic is anyone who believes more strongly than I do they're fanatics oh, okay so if I believe in my in my Detroit Tigers yeah, more right. than you do. <laughs> it's not You're a uh, fanatic, right? It's not at the All Star break. Or our, come right. back at the All Star break. And tell yeah, me if you yeah, believe. true. Yeah, or Brian, our good friend Brian, who still believes in the Lions. Believes in the Lions and believes silver will hit fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Brian. It's in part because. So if you've been raised with Christ, that's in uh, not a complete sentence there, but it's a phrase that leads you to the next part of the verse, which is seek the things above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not very good at that. No, we're awful at that. Because, yeah, because the text, the text that he's using for this, we should have probably mentioned this before, uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. So so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, right? Which, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So you've been risen with Christ, and because you've been risen with Christ, you set you are you are to set your things, uh, set your sights on things that are above. Yeah, is and, what he says. And the other verse from Galatians is, is similar in in that, um, yeah. If it says, "I've been crucified with Christ," um, therefore I no longer live, and the life I live. In the body, I live for the Son of God, who, mm-hmm. who gave Himself. And so, for me. 
but back to Colossians. Colossians gives you a clear do and don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Do seek the things of God, right? Yeah. Don't think, don't seek the things of the earth, right? Don't focus on material things. Um, when that's exactly the opposite of what most of us, uh, how most of us live their lives. So yeah. I'm throw the ball here at you. But yeah, yeah. Most of our lives, most of us live our lives as if. Um, I'm going to be strong here, as if this, this, as if the Christ story was a myth, and not not really having to do with how we live our real life. It's something we believe in, but we closet ourselves from it in our day-to-day normal decisions and behavior. Mm-hmm. They yeah. can't see your face. Yeah, <laughs> they can't. I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to try to rephrase this for my own thinking. So the fact that we, we take a biblical truth like Christ is risen mm-hmm. and we are, ri- and it's not even so much Christ is risen because that's easy to accept, I think, right? No, because it has implications. Right. Yeah. So what is so what we, is that? If we don't let it go past the implication, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put a period. Now I go out. And now live I my go life. out and live my life. Right. And so so when you so that that biblical truth that Christ is risen and that we are risen with we, Christ and we declare it out and loud. we de- when we declare that out loud, yes. That how does that affect us in our lives? Does it change anything? Uh, I would say for the, an overwhelming majority, if not all Christians, because we are simultaneously saints and sinners, uh, it doesn't. Um, we can say and try to pretend that it does. And if you are saying, well, of course this has changed the way that I live, I would challenge you on that. And I would say that when you looked at this person this way or when you thought this about that person, it's just one of those things where, yeah, if you are risen with Christ, you are to set your things above, your mind on things above. Every any time that you don't do that, then then that's when you have to go back to okay, this is cru- like that me has been crucified with Christ, and now there is an and it's you know you talked about that revolving door earlier. I think that there is for a for a for a Christian that is saint and sinner. I do think that there is kind of a. That's why it's why there's confession and absolution. It's why there's the Lord's Supper because. Yeah, but just for a second, I yeah. will never leave you or forsake you unless you sin. That's the revolving door, right? No, right, no. right. But it, yeah, that's not, that wasn't what I meant. But I yeah. meant like, like we are constantly, I think, in a in a re, in a revolving door, being reminded of not not all not this that and the other thing. I think it's, you know, we go out, we we sin, and we have to be reminded of ourselves of our baptisms, where we were crucified with Christ where we died with Christ, where the old Adam or the old us was crucified and the new Adam, the new us that is, that lives with Christ, that is risen with Christ, comes out of the water. And that is the, that is the one who lives. And because of that, we are, we can set our, our minds on things about because it's Christ that lives in us. But then again, when we don't do that, when we set our sights on material things, because it's easier or more convenient or whatever, we when we do that, then we we return to our again we return to our baptism, right? Luther talks about how uh, we, the Christian life is one of constant what repentance, right? And because we don't we don't hold fast to these That's truths. The first of the ninety five theses. First of the ninety five theses. The only one that I remember. <laughs> right? Yeah. Same. And I, I would say it's probably one of the most important ones too. Yeah. If not the most important, why else would it be first? 
it's but it's yeah so when you talk about yeah being risen with christ and and how does that affect our lives it should have profound impact but it doesn't so let's go back and look at at slightly different angle not behavior let's look at it from identity so so who we are not what we do who am i in christ i am i've been raised with christ and i've been crucified with christ that also has implications when uh, we really want to struggle and keep our own personality we want to keep our own will intact we want in fact we want God to follow us and rather than we follow him um, that's the struggle and he describes that in a kind of a colorful way I think talking about if that's the path we choose we're drinking the cup of darkness mm. Boy, does that resonate here in 2021? Yeah. Um, it's that song, I I can't ever remember her name, but is that all there is? Is that all there is? Who sings that? I, that's what I just oh. I don't remember. Oh, it's a 50s song, so you weren't even born. No, I was not. But, um, yeah, if that's all there is, then let's keep drinking, let's keep dancing. So that, he's saying, is drinking the cup of darkness because if you are not raised with Christ, if you are not crucified with Christ then you're on a path of destruction, darkness, and oblivion purposeless any any purpose that you create for yourself is hollow um, Peggy Lee by the way Peggy Lee, good I'll remember that till the next time I need to remember <laughs> that yeah, Peggy Lee use that a lot in sermons that yeah it's just evokes the materialistic hedonistic um, culture Mm -hmm. and but we can say as christ followers uh, that's not all there is right well and that's that reminds me i think it's and i think i used this i think i used this quote it was either in our after action review video that i did this week or because i didn't it wasn't on sunday because you preached here on sunday but is it is it Philip Yancey that says if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. But if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. Yeah. Right. So that idea of of materialism, right? If Christ is not risen, then yeah, that's all there is, and so nothing else matters. But because Christ is risen, and and there is there is something else after this, and for us as Christians, we believe that it's not just heaven. Right, we believe it's the new heaven and the new earth, the new creation, the renewal of our bodies, the resurrection of the dead, and the life everlasting. Because we believe that, <laughs> nothing else matters. Yep. Right, and and that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I go when I hear this and drinking of that. Whatever whatever d- um, importance it has is, is trivial in the long run. Right. Yes. So let me quote him here. Yeah. And Kenny's responding to those who pull back when they're. Um, confronted by the statement um, that you've been raised with Christ he says it is completely incomprehensible to us how this kind of certainty that we've been raised with Christ could even have an effect in our lives see that's what we talked about I know when we are in need question of politics or the economy um, education of our children uh, the struggles of married life when we are unsure about what form and in which direction our goals should take us, how we should structure our life, um, 
would it occur to a single one of us whether we are the questioners or those who should give the answer to state at the first proposition of this deliberation and all decisiveness in other words because that got awkward there I hope that's translation mm-hmm. yeah does I am raised with Christ or I am uh, crucified with Christ play any part in our uh, search for answers in politics money education children wife um, our careers our retirement does that even play a factor and the answer I think is sadly no yeah very sadly no because those are those are good things the fact that we are and I I think we hear that word crucified particularly that word crucified and we we have there's such a negative connotation to that that's why I mean we've talked about this before on the on this show where you know, people are people are they're eager to embrace baby Jesus in the manger, but they're not eager to embrace ugly, beaten, bloody Jesus on the cross because it's like you said, like you said at the beginning here, it's it's offensive, it's not acceptable. But the crucifixion of Christ means life for us because we are crucified with Christ. And and by us being crucified doesn't mean that we're just that we're just dead that we're dead and that that's all there is because in order to have life you must die. In order to have something new you must put to death the old thing, and Jesus does that. So he also calls the cup going back to the cup. Uh, he calls it the cup of nothingness. He calls it a dark. I would add maybe a poisonous brew. If you're drinking the cup of of. Uh, well, it's really a cup of disobedience if you're mm-hmm. a Christian and living your life for yourself. Um, he says a little earlier in the sermon, um, yeah, you're actually drinking the cup of the wrath of God. Yeah. Um, so what does that have to do with, with us today? So I'm going to get political for a second. Sweet. Sorry. I remember Democratic Convention, the first one for Obama, when they had a vote to remove God from their platform. Mm-hmm. and it looked like it, God was going to get the axe and then they went to they went to a voice vote and I found it hilarious because of very clearly the voices that shouted yes remove God were much louder than the ones who said no, no. but somehow magically they decided oh the voice vote is no right. because they knew the other outcome was we're not ready for that yet yeah they really wanted to take God out of the platform, but they weren't ready to lose the election over it. <laughs> and so, but I think that day is coming, you know. What has God to do with, why is there a chaplain in the Senate? Right. There shouldn't be a chaplain. Uh-huh. Is there an imam? Is there a rabbi? Right. Whatever a Hindu priest is, is there one of those? Why is there a Christian? No, that's wrong. we got to get rid of that guy. Mm-hmm. That's coming. I, why? So. I tend to agree with that, and uh, it's a it's the same thing that we've we've been dealing with this. I think for we've already seen signs of that with all of this religious quote unquote tolerance, and and you've got just everybody's everyone's just they're just okay. People are okay with people that don't believe in Jesus, which is heartbreaking for me. And I understand that there's going to be hard questions and hard conversations and 
but at the same time, I'm like, I just, if you are really a Christian, you should not be okay with the fact that someone else does not believe what you believe, but we've tolerated it. And that's already coming. Like you said, it's, it's coming where it's going to be on a much grand, grander scale. But I think we're already, when we're already seeing signs of that. So yesterday, Monday, um, Pat was leading the Bible study here about Christian freedom. And he put up the definition of freedom. You missed this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, freedom is my ability to say what I want, think what I want do what I want, and I thought, wow, we're at least free people I know right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, so when the Christians um, are remain, we're going to talk about this more next week, I think, are remain silent when, gosh, I'll just say it, when God is being canceled. Yeah. Um, what does it say about us? Well, cancel culture is not real. You can't yeah, say that. Sorry about Henry Blackaby, it's quoting him, paraphrasing him, it's the darkness's job to be dark, but it's our job to be light. And the problem today is that we are not the light that we should be. We're we're a one-watt bulb. (laughs) Yes, you're a light, but you're not overcoming the darkness in a serious way. So part of what he's trying to do here in this sermon is shake um, and remembering his students are there too he's poking hard at complacency amongst Christians I remember that yeah. we're talking about a Lutheran church in Germany that was characterized by a coldness and uh, yeah we do we do our church things in church we walk out the door and uh, go into the world and one has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the other kind of right and uh and that led rapidly to, we'll talk about this next week, too, rapidly to, oh, let's see, we're going to silence the churches that disagree with the government, and we're going to set up uh, uh, patriotic churches, and we're going to imprison and kill uh, ministers, pastors, priests who uh, don't follow the party line. Um, that just wasn't throwing a switch. That was that was like a... Rheostat slowly right. being turned. Yes. And well, in this case, it would be this way: light to twilight to, to darkness. Dark, yeah. And uh, and so much of the church was silent in the midst of all that. Which is a huge problem. Yeah. Huge problem. Well, why are we silent? Uh, how much time do you have? Yeah. Well, it's a general. We talked about this at lunch. I don't want to take on anything that might cost me. So yeah. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to make a stand when uh, when it doesn't cost you anything, yeah. right? Well, let's talk about this for since you, since you went political. <laughs> These quote unquote racist voting laws that are happening in Georgia, right? And and Major League Baseball pulled out of the All Star Game because they don't want to do that. But so, but you said who was it? Which guy had a membership to Augusta, which is where the Masters is being oh, played? Yeah, Somebody in Major League Baseball. Who's a who's a high up? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Okay, so since so since you have pulled Major League Baseball or helped to pull Major League Baseball out of Georgia because of this, are you going to revoke your or withdraw your membership from Augusta as well? Because where the Masters is being played, 
And you said that his, his answer was, silence. was silent. Yeah. Because yeah. now it's costing him something. Yeah, so it's so much easier if somebody else pays. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but it, it's the famous quote about, you know, first they came for the communists and I was silent and came for the Jews and I was silent. Da, 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 right. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak up for me. Right. Yeah, so that self-protection mode that uh, I'm not going to risk anything, even uh, for the faith. So we talked about that. Um, so let's, let's pretend, but it's not much of a pretend, that the government declares that all churches must conduct LGBTQ marriages. marriages. What will the churches do? Will they take a stand and say no, or what are they most likely to do? Oh, probably, probably just not do marriages. Yeah, we'll, not, we'll, we'll dodge that ball. You yeah. know, we won't do marriages. And then something else will come, and we'll sidestep that, sidestep this, and sooner or later, you can only sidestep so long you're going to football before somebody levels you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, and I, I think that that time is coming, too, and... I know we've had we've had conversations here. I've had conversations with my wife. Uh, I've had conversations with other brother pastors, where there is there are good chances that our religious beliefs are going to land us into some hot water eventually. All all LCMS pastors, at some point, if the if the way of the world is continuing to trend the way that it looks like it is, and we don't get things under control, and we don't return to Return to truth, then this is what's going to be happening. I'm reminded of um, was it was a Josiah that was like cleaning the temple, and he found the he found the Torah. He found the yeah. he found. Oh, what's the, this? Yeah, <laughs> like oh, what the heck is this? And then and then he read it, and he was like, he tore his clothes because he was appalled at the way. Like we're not doing any of these things. Particularly, you weren't doing the Passover. Right. Yeah, we nothing. weren't doing any of these. They lost the word of God. Right. They literally lost and that's, the word of and God. And that's what, that's what is happening here. We're putting the word of God on a bookshelf, and it's getting collected with dust, and now we're seeing the ramifications of that as as things fall fall around us and quite literally burn to the ground, and we just, okay, we're just going to let it happen, and we're not taking a stand, and... It's it's heartbreaking. It really it really well, truly is. Until it comes to you, yeah. Right, right. And we'll take a stand until it's my turf, my church, my pastor. Yeah. yeah. But by then it's too late usually. Mm-hmm. Sad but true. So let's make a positive. So if we were to be the people of God, in other words, crucified with Christ and arisen uh, with Christ, how would things be different in our churches and I know that's like a five hour answer and uh, how would things be with how we interact in our society if we're called to be salt and light this is the easy answer we are neither really we're not either anymore yeah there's a there's another meme I just heard this on a podcast it's the disciples they're talking they're talking in the midst of chaos and Someone said, I think you misheard Jesus. He said, be be salt and light, not be salty. <laughs> or yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, and we become salty and we're not we're not being salt, we're being salty. And uh and and that's 
we need to we need to be salt. We need to be preserving. We need to be loving. We need to be caring. And I think if you were to take those words of I am crucified with Christ, I am risen with Christ, if you take those seriously and you allow those words to have the impact that they are intended to have, this truth, this life-changing truth, if you don't resist it, right? If you if you fully submit yourself to what it is and it seems simple, a simple answer, but it'd be better. <laughs> it'd be better. Well, yeah, we want the Word of God, but we want don't want the transformative part of God's Word. Yeah. So. Well, it's like people come to church to hear that they're forgiven, but then they don't go out and forgive others, right? They want to hear that they're forgiven, but they don't want to go out and forgive other people. God, God's grace, or with Jonah, right? God's grace and mercy is good enough for me, but it's not good enough for the Ninevite people. Oh, I know. So I'm thinking wild thoughts now. So if there was a modern-day Abraham arguing with God about the destruction of America, would he say, oh, Lord, would you destroy it? For the, for, why not save it for the sake of one million faithful men? Mm-hmm. God says, yeah, sure. <laughs> There are so few who are willing to, there are few who who live their lives like those words are true for them. Mm-hmm. And there's even fewer who allow others to see that is true yeah. in them. And that's what hollows out, uh, hollows out our witness. Someone said, I don't remember who, but yeah, Christianity is like a like gigantic lake one inch deep yeah that we're just shallow that's not very positive we so <laughs> we try no. to go positive we're so there, let, let's as we as the cause is not lost that's what i'm saying yeah the cause but it can only be we can only get restoration by willing to pay the price and that's where the rub comes mm-hmm. i'm glad for you to pay the price but you know uh, not me well, I, well, same thing. It's like we're. I'm me, glad. I, I depended on my government pension and my social security. I don't want them right. cutting me off. I'm I'm glad that Jesus paid the price. I'm glad that I yeah. didn't have to. But that's we're called to pay a price too. Is my point. Sure. Because yeah, the witness. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the angel's story that that I preached on 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 Sunday, where he said, "Come, see, go, and I'm tell." There was no promise attached to the tell. Right. There was no everybody will believe you. There was no no one will ridicule you. There's no um, they'll, they'll end up killing you. No, you'll be safe no matter what. Mm-hmm. It was go tell, and it's almost like consequences be damned. Yeah. Um, and then for the prophets, that's exactly what it was, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the... I'll try to be positive, but yeah, we know the truth, we have the truth, but are we willing to stand on the truth? Not in our closets, not in our churches, but in our world. Because this is, this is what Christ rising allows us to do. Because Christ, Christ rising from the dead, or being rather being raised from the dead, that shows us that God it proves to us that not that he needed the proof but it proves to us that he is powerful that he is all powerful that there is no foe that is greater than him that even though death consumed him it was death that killed death 
it was death that he used and he's the only one that can do that he's the only one that can take something as horrific as the crucifixion and use it to redeem the world in fact yeah, that's that's how he chose to have it done and so for us to be risen with Christ we are risen with that same power you were given that same Holy Spirit in your baptisms to stand it's the Holy Spirit that when Peter and John are standing before the same people that that crucified Jesus that gives them the confidence to stand and speak which ends up landing them in prison <laughs> but but it, it compels them to do that and other people see that they see that example and then there there's the church and acts continues to grow and to grow and to grow because of that because of that same spirit time after time after time again because they've been risen with Christ so I don't remember the author's name but famous book Christian book was how then shall we live Francis Schaeffer I think that question still resounds today how then should we live given the conditions and that was written 40 or 50 years ago and, and he saw he saw the downward trajectory that Christianity was on and the oppositional part of the society rising and rising now we're in the midst of the game shall I say it's the fourth quarter <laughs> third period anyway right yeah uh, and sooner or later we'll be called on to do something that's part of what if we get to it next week the, the Bonhoeffer and the others who got together and wrote this thing called the Barman Declaration which basically told the government um, this far no further yeah drew the line in the sand yep sad to say um, many Lutheran and other pastors bailed when the push came to the shop yeah, but well. at least they had the courage to, to stand on it and uh, and I, I just think I don't know when the moment is but we're getting close to where the real church needs to say this far and no further yeah and I think that's probably where we're going to leave you all for today uh, but we will say again that because Christ is risen, because we can stand firmly on that truth, those words that we hear from the angel, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said, that is good news because that is, that is, the, that is the truth that compels us to do what we do. Come and see, go and tell, and, and because we go and tell, other people get to hear that good news too. They come to believe as well, and Christ builds his church through that. And, and he's going to be with us. That's the promise of the resurrection as well. He is with us thick through thin, and he walks through the valley through the shadows of death, as we read in, in Psalm 23. He is standing with us in the dark corners, and he is with us when that moment comes, and that is the truth that, that we stand on. If no one has told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Take care, everybody. Jesus Teacher Good Me is a Family of God Lutheran Church podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in today for today's episode. If you haven't had a chance yet, make sure that you go to www.fogdetroit.com. You can find some more content, some more ways that you can be involved and donate and be a part of the ministry. We are grateful for each and every one of you. We cannot do what we do without you. Have a great week, everyone. We will talk with you next week. Have a good weekend.